Welcome back to another allhoosiers.com podcast. Uh, we're moving along with these things. Things are finally starting to get exciting with IU athletics. It's not as much of a downtime anymore because IU football is playing. Uh, today I'm joined by Justin Albers, uh, allhoosiers.com extraordinaire recruiting analyst uh, on the football and basketball beat. Justin, what's going on? Not much, Tony. How are things? Can't complain. Um, we're, uh, Nolan Blair is also probably going to be joining us at some point on this podcast. So if you hear a voice you don't recognize, I'll uh, I'll try to integrate him in. He's it's late, but uh, that's all right. But Justin, let's just dive into things with IU football first. We'll move into the basketball towards the end of this podcast. But um, first off, just your overall impression against Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you have to start uh, with the offense. I mean, everybody's talked throughout the off season and throughout the summer about how improved this unit was supposed to be and, and how uh, it could be one of the best in the Big Ten, maybe one of the best in the country. And you got to see them put up 73 points, something they've only done uh, one other time in, in the history of the program. So that was pretty uh, remarkable to watch, regardless of the opponent, to put up 73 points and be – as uh, as efficient as they were on offense. I mean, they probably could have put up – they definitely could have put up 80 if they went for a touchdown there at the end, and they probably could have put up even more if they would have left their starters in throughout the game. So uh, that was definitely promising. Uh, you still saw some glimpses defensively um, of reasons why they struggled in the past, uh, missed tackles and uh, just careless errors at times. But uh, you also saw some bright stops – bright spots from the defense, too, and, and some of the freshmen they'd play. So I thought it was a promising first game and, and certainly something that should get the fan base excited moving forward. Uh, this is this is an Indiana State team that IU struggled to put away last season. I mean, we're talking came down to the final possession against them, and then all of a sudden they come out and, and just hang 73 on them and have complete control of the game. Is that, uh, you know, a measurement of do you think Indiana State's worse, IU is that much better, or just kind of a combination of both? Yeah, I think it's probably a combination. I mean, I don't think many people expected Indiana State to be that much worse than they were last year. They obviously uh, returned their top runner um, in Bell, and and he didn't really do much. He got injured there uh, near halftime. But um, the team was pretty similar to the team we saw last year. And I just think you you see the improvement uh, over 12 months from Indiana. And obviously they played all three quarterbacks still. They don't have a – decisive answer on that. It may be Sudfeld, it may be Roberson. You, n- you never really know going into next week. But I just think Indiana's a, a whole lot better team, and, and disagree with me if you if you do. But um, I just feel like the reason we saw that was Indiana's a much better team, not necessarily that Indiana State's that much worse. Yeah, I mean, I just just looking at sheer talent-wise and just, you know, you mentioned a couple of mistakes how you made it. To me, it looks like IU – is a lot better. I do think Indiana State got a little bit worse on the defensive front, uh, but at the end of the day, Indiana is just a better team than they were last year. At least they played that way against Indiana State, and and we can we can talk and touch on on so many things in that game, and and most of them are positive. But let's take a different turn here and focus on a couple of the negative things that IU did. What are a couple of things you saw in this game? that you think, uh-oh, that could really hurt IU in the Big Ten or, you know, hurt their bowl chances or some things that you saw in the Indiana State game? Uh, I mean, I still think they need to uh, 
it has to be defensively. I mean, I, I think the offense will be fine and will hold them up just fine in a lot of games, even in the Big Ten. But defensively, we saw, uh, like I mentioned, Bell, he left near halftime, but he still had 113 yards at that point. So, I mean, the rushing defense, the guys up front are still young. They lost uh, their two starters on the on the front line from last year. So I think that needs some work. Um, we'll have to see. We didn't necessarily see it on last Thursday night, but we might see going on throughout the season that their pass defense isn't up where it needs to be. That's always been an area where I think uh, has, has kind of held them back, especially in the last few years, with just the big plays um, in the passing game. So we didn't really see that. I don't think Parrish was a, a very capable passer. He was only 11 of 29. Um, so I, I think we'll see that. And then just the mental errors, like I mentioned before, the two uh, big errors right before halftime, the pick six by Sudfeld and then the fumble on the kickoff that Indiana State took in for the touchdown. You just can't have those kind of mistakes once you get into the Big Ten season and start playing better opponents. Yeah, and, and that one, the kickoff return was Larry Smith. I think that was the first time he's touched the ball in his collegiate career. And uh, Coach Wilson has mentioned a few times during summer camp that uh, Smith really struggled holding on to the ball. He, he proved that to be pretty true as soon as he touched it. Um, so I'm sure he's going to shore that up. I mean, he's going to be consciously thinking about that. I mean, that was a play he probably should have just let it be a touchback or, or no, not a touchback. He probably should have just fallen on the ball and not ran around. Um, so he got himself into trouble there. And like you mentioned, it ended up being a touchdown for Indiana State. And then Sudfeld's pick six, which was pretty much his only spot that really looked bad in his game last Thursday night. So let's transition to the quarterbacks. Were there any questions solved Thursday night? Not really, because we didn't see and I don't think we saw enough of Trey Roberson to know whether or not uh, he or Sudfeld should be the starter. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's a competition between those two and, and Cam Kaufman, clearly the third. Um, Sudfeld, other than that one one play, like you said, 219 yards and four touchdowns. So he looked very, very well, and a lot of people think he's going to be the starter going forward. But Roberson only got one quarter, kind of got hurt in the ribs. He's expected to be okay, but he didn't get any more action. And uh, threw, threw six passes, completed three, and threw two touchdowns. I mean, he, he did his job when he was out there. So I still think it's probably too close to call, and, it's going to be a question we have to have answered probably over the next week or two. Were there any guys offensively or defensively that, you know, you weren't really looking at in the spotlight or you didn't expect much from this season that stood out to you on Thursday night? It was like, wow, this guy can play. Yeah, I mean, maybe he should have stuck out in my mind before the game, but for whatever reason, uh, I didn't expect that kind of performance out of Tevin Coleman at running back uh, 169 yards and two touchdowns and 14 carries. I always kind of felt like Steve, uh, Stephen Houston, despite not being named the starter, was was kind of the premier back, and maybe Wilson didn't start him because he wanted to make him work harder and earn that spot or whatever the case might be. But Holman played terrific on Thursday night, and Houston didn't do anything at all. So uh, I, I was really impressed with Coleman's speed, his elusiveness in that game. And uh, I, I think he's probably a guy I didn't look at before the season, and now you can look at it as a major strength on that offense. Yeah, and I totally agree with you on Coleman. Um, I didn't expect that performance from him. Just like you, I thought Stephen Houston was going to be the guy. Uh, Coach Wilson's been known to kind of try to send messages, starting various guys, but still getting other guys the majority of the reps. So I was surprised to see that, and I think that's good for Coleman to go out there and really grasp that, uh, give him some confidence, and then also – 
uh, probably like to fire under Steven Houston, who didn't do much in that game and didn't really get a chance to do much. So I think that's good for the running back position as a whole. But a guy that probably should have been on my radar, it seems like he's been at IU for like 17 years, but really had a great game was Ted Bolzer. And I know he's had a couple good games in the past, had a pretty good season uh, last year as well, but I didn't expect him to come out and have a game that he had. He had a couple great catches in the end zone. Um, you know, I, I even was watching his blocking at, at certain points, and he was pancaking guys. So I thought Bolger had a great game, and that's that's a guy I really didn't expect much from. Yeah, that's a guy who's really improved a lot throughout his career. He was he was solid when he got here under Bill Lynch, and then I thought he kind of took some steps back in the last two years under Kevin Wilson. I didn't. I thought he might have been one of those guys that didn't respond all that favorably to the way Wilson pushed his guys right away, but over the course of time, he's kind of learned that uh, Wilson, although he may be yelling at you, is yelling at you for a reason and trying to make you better. And I think he's really starting to grasp that. That's a guy who's a veteran leader on this team now and needs to understand he can be a big target for this offense and for the quarterbacks over the middle. And, and yeah, like you said, we saw that on Thursday, and I think he could be one of the better two or three tight ends in the league this year. Yeah, and I think he could be a, a real difference maker because We'll talk about this in just a second, but IU's got such a strong receiving core. Those guys, I mean, Boulder's going to have, you know, linebackers, sometimes even maybe some DNs on them, depending on the coverage. So that's a guy that if he can use his elusiveness and some, you know, unconventional speed that he has, as well as just running good routes, I think Boulder's going to, you know, prime to have a great season. But moving on from him, we'll just talk a little bit about IU's receiving core and just how – Strong it is, and we saw touchdowns from Nick Stoner, a couple from Shane Wynn. We didn't even really see much from Cody Latimer, who in coming into the season was probably IU's top wide receiver to watch. Yeah, we definitely saw how how close of a family that wide receiving group is. Uh, when Shane Wynn got popped on that that uh, pump return, that was it looked like a cheap shot hit. Kevin Wilson didn't think so, but the receivers certainly did, and and the way they responded after that, Kofi Hughes came out and had his only three receptions of the game for 69 yards on the next drive and, and caught a touchdown pass even though he was interfered with on the play. So, I, I mean, there's no doubt that unit's really tight and that unit's really talented. And like you mentioned, Latimer wasn't a guy that got a lot of touches, only two receptions in the game. And I think Wilson was kind of alluding to Latimer after the game when he said some guys weren't weren't all that happy with how, much, how many touches they got and, and needed to learn that. And he, he may be one of those guys, but there's no doubt moving forward this season that, that he's going to rack up the catches and he's going to be one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. It just so happens that in that game, Wynn, Boulder, um, some other guys like that happen to be the main target. On defense, uh, switching over from the offense and the defense, uh, we saw some good things from IU. Um, yeah, they started pretty shaky. I think ISU's second drive, um, they ended up, you know, marching for the field and the Hoosiers tying it up at seven, and it was kind of like, oh, here we go again. And then they really got locked down. I mean, the, the offense gave up 14 of the points that they gave up. Another 14 were given up by the second, third, even fourth unit. So, really, that, that one drive by ISU was the big one that the defense gave up. So, what did you see on the defensive end that were, were bright spots and, you know, statistic-wise and just personnel-wise? I thought the pressure they got on the quarterback was a lot better than I've seen in years past. I thought uh, they brought the pressure a lot more, and they didn't get beat on it like they have sometimes when they have brought pressure in the past. So, um, is that a is that a, because of the opponent? Is that uh, because the defense is better? I guess that remains to be seen, and we'll probably learn a lot 
from the Navy game on Saturday. But I was really impressed with the pressure they got. And, and then the secondary held up pretty pretty well in the back end, other than that one drive you mentioned early in the game that was probably a scripted drive that they wanted to come out. They kind of worked them really well on that. Other than that drive, the secondary held up well. They got pressure on the quarterback. They contained the run, especially after Bell went out of the game. So um, I thought we saw a lot of bright spots, some room for improvement, as there always is with that unit, but definitely some things you can work with going forward. Yeah, I thought the pressure on the quarterback was great, and I thought the coverage was great, too. I mean, there was a couple times that the ISU quarterback was sacked just because they were such good coverage, um, which is something you haven't seen a lot at IU. Um, you know, they were they were flying at the ball. But like you mentioned, Shakir Bell still had 113 yards all in the first half. So there's definitely room for improvement there, but I was encouraged by what I saw from the Indiana defense. Uh, switching gears again, just what did you think of the Indiana crowd? You were there at Memorial Stadium, um, specifically the students. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay early on. I mean, uh, I don't think anybody expected people to stay for the entire game when it was a blowout like that and and nearly a, a four-hour game. I mean, after halftime, the student section was all but empty and, and the crowd had dwindled down a little bit. But, I mean, the crowd early on was very good. The student section early on was really good. And, and it's kind of hard to, to gauge what kind of crowd you're going to get on a Thursday night at 7 o'clock. I mean, that can be uh, kind of a hard game for some people to make, especially those that are working in in Indianapolis and trying to get down or, or whatever the case might be. But I thought it was pretty good, and I thought uh, – I, I think going forward, after people see that they put up 73 points and they see what kind of offensive unit this team has and uh, potential defensive unit they have, people will start coming out for these next few games against uh, higher-quality opponents, Navy, the first one on Saturday. Yeah, I saw some pictures. Um, I can't. I think it was Sean Nash that tweeted out a picture of the IU student section every single at the start of every single quarter. And the first and second quarters, I thought it looked tremendous. I mean, it was definitely bigger than last season's home opener. And like you said, I mean, you can't expect the crowd to stay around for a game that's four hours long and it's just a blowout. I mean, you don't get that at an NFL game, much less uh, the opener of a college football game, specifically at Indiana. So. I thought the crowd was pretty strong. I only was able to watch through the television, but, you know, I could hear their chants and stuff. So um, I didn't think there was any worries there. I think Coach Wilson thought the crowd was good as well. Um, specifically, just for you personally, how was it like being back in uh, Memorial Stadium's press box? It's been a few years, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it felt kind of weird. I mean, it's only been, I guess, one full season that I didn't cover the team, but it, feel, it felt like a whole lot longer. Um, because it's been almost two calendar years since I've been in there. So, um, yeah, it was different. It was good to be back. Uh, I, I mean, I hadn't followed the football program all that closely, to be honest with you, in the last two years. And um, it was good to see that a lot had changed. I mean, I, I really have been impressed by the way Kevin Wilson has built this program in his few years. It, it obviously was not in a good place when he first got here. And I think some people wondered after his first year if it would ever get that much better, kind of like they did with Tom Crane in the basketball program. But I think people can see now that, that he's really starting to build this, and this team this year could be a pretty special one for this uh, for this university. Yeah, and, and I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm closer to the football team being a member of the media now, but it just seems like this season specifically has had far more buzz than any I can remember in recent years. 
um, probably since back in 08 when IU actually went to a bowl. So, um, or 07, 08. So I think there's Kevin Wilson definitely, I mean, obviously has this program going in the right direction. We're talking about a guy who, like you said, had caught a lot of grief his first couple of seasons. Um, you know, people didn't like the way he was coaching. He was yelling at the guys. A lot of guys were quitting. But now we're starting to see the culture change that he implemented at IU. And it was one that, honestly, they really needed. Yeah, and and the schedule this year should be such that, A, there's a, there's a lot of winnable games on there, and, B, there's a lot of exciting games on there. So uh, if you're trying to create interest in the program, there's a lot of opportunities to do that. I mean, 73 points should do that. You have three home games in a row or four home rank games in a row now against Navy, Bowling Green, Missouri, and Penn State. All should draw, draw pretty good crowds. And, and there's some other winnable games down the road at Illinois versus Minnesota, versus Purdue. Uh, there's some winnable games on the schedule, and there's no reason why this team shouldn't finish with at least six, maybe seven, maybe eight wins this season. Yeah, I mean, all, every last one of their home games, to me, looks winnable um, right now, including this one on Saturday against Navy. What are your initial thoughts um, for IU against Navy? Obviously, Navy runs the option, so it's going to be a completely different game. Uh, than, than what they'll see in the Big Ten where a lot of teams will spread it out and whatnot. But just, just your initial thoughts. Yeah, Navy's undoubtedly a good program. I, I think Terry did a blog on it earlier in the week uh, over on allhoosiers.com about uh, how they've been to like nine bowl games in the last ten years or something like that. And Indiana's been to one bowl game during that time. So there's no doubt it's a good program. They obviously don't play the same schedule. They don't play in the Big Ten Conference or anything like that. But uh, what should be on Indiana's mind is revenge from last year's game. They had that game sealed at Navy, uh, had, I believe, a 30-21 to 21 lead late in the fourth quarter and lost 31-30. to 30. So uh, it, it's definitely a winnable game. Indiana's better now. It's on their home field. Um, it's the, the season opener for Navy. So I would expect Indiana to win. I think they're favored by something like 15 or 16 points. Tell me if I'm wrong on that, but uh, I think they should be able to cover that spread pretty easily. Yeah, I think that, like you said, and like we've mentioned this whole entire time, Indiana is just a better program this season. But, um, you know, Navy's got some guys back, too, that, that torched Indiana last year, including their quarterback. So how do you think Indiana, or do you think Indiana is going to be able to stop this option? Uh, we've, we've talked about how their defense seems to be improved. But just what, what do you think uh, – Indiana has to do to stop this option, or, or do you think they have the capability to do it? Yeah, I mean, obviously they saw the the Navy option a year ago, so I wouldn't think they'd have too much trouble with it. And I don't want to say that they didn't prepare for Indiana State last week because there's no doubt that they did. But they have they've had an entire off season, an entire summer of camp, a spring camp, and they've known Navy was going to be on the schedule for the second game for some time. So I'm sure they've been preparing for the option for weeks now, and they didn't just start on the Friday after the Indiana State game. But even if they did, uh, they still had a, an extra long week. But you never really know with the Navy option because uh, so few teams run that kind of offense these days, and, and they can always add new wrinkles into it. I used to watch Notre Dame play Navy every single year, and every year, despite playing them on a yearly basis, they would still have problems with that option for a half or so. So I guess we won't really know until Saturday and, and we see it in, in action. but. I think Indiana will be able to handle it quite well. Yeah, and I think some of the guys even mentioned that they've been preparing for Navy since April. 
to some extent. I mean, like like you mentioned, they obviously prepared for Indiana State, but um, you know Navy's been on their mind as well. And I think you mentioned it all. You know, they're looking for revenge and whatnot. And uh, Indiana this year, too, on the defensive line, they've got a lot of speed and a lot of young guys. Um, we saw Darius Latham. I think he recorded the first sack for Indiana the whole season. He's, a you know, a freshman guy that, you know, has, has some great speed on the defensive line. And I think it's really going to rely on the defensive line and their linebackers, you know, making the right reads. And I do think that they're going to be able to, to stop the Navy option. Um, but, I mean, Navy's got a pretty good defense as well, and they obviously are able to slow down the game with that option. So what are you expecting to see from IU's offense? Obviously, against Indiana State, they were, allowed, they were able to create a lot of, you know, big plays. And, and against Navy, I don't think we're going to see as much of that. So Indiana's really going to have to kind of calm their offense down, and we're really going to have to see some long drives, in my opinion. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's a big question going into this game is can the offense slow down enough to have some of those 11, 12, 13 play drives, those four, five, six-minute drives? Because like we saw on on last last Thursday and like we saw a lot last year and under Wilson over the last couple of years, when they score, they like to score fast, and, and that's probably just not the best option against Navy because – Navy's already going to dominate the time of possession because they run the ball nearly every time, every play. So they're already going to dominate time of possession. And if you have one-minute scoring drives, that's great and all, but the defense is going to be on the field for probably 40 minutes of the game and eventually eventually will probably wear down. You're not really try, trying to win a game 51 to 48 or something like that. That's probably uh, not the best way to go about it. So like you said, It'd be nice to establish that run game with Tevin Coleman, um, throw some shorter passes, and and try and get some longer drives going. I think that would be uh, the one question I have about the IU offense at this point is can they sustain drives and score when they have 13, 14, 15 play drives? So if if you're Navy's defensive coordinator, what exactly are you trying to get IU to do? Um, I I guess – In your opinion, yeah, yeah, I guess just hurry them up. I mean, don't uh, Indiana wants to go fast anyway, and I, I I think that's best for them against most opponents. But uh, if you're Navy's defensive coordinator, if you're the Navy defense, maybe just try and get them in a hurry. Obviously, create turnovers, but get them to do some uh, no huddle offense. Get them to to pass the ball more than maybe you want. I guess maybe you you stack the box. That's what Indiana State did a lot, and, and that hurt them, but Navy has better personnel than Indiana State did. So maybe you stack the box, uh, dare them to throw more, um, bring a lot of pressure, and just try to try to hurry things up and, and make Indiana uncomfortable. Yeah, I think you kind of just kind of have to drop back and, and you know, I don't want to say a prevent defense, um, but I think you're going to try to make Indiana throw underneath and really just wait for them to make a mistake. You know, they've Although they've got experience, they've got a lot of young guys too. Um, so you know they're that are prone to making mistakes. Indiana turned the ball over a lot last year. So I think we'll see Navy try to force, or not even force Indiana, just kind of wait for Indiana to make a mistake and then capitalize on those mistakes on the defensive end. And then obviously a big part of their defense is actually their offense, like you mentioned, them running the ball, taking time off the clock, keeping Indiana's offense off the field and then Indiana's defense on the field. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I think it's. Obviously, a game we're not fully able to even predict because Navy hasn't even played a game this season at all, uh, which I think plays to their advantage. 
because they're able to watch tape on Indiana. But on the flip side, Indiana's got a game under their belt. They've got those first game jitters out. Um, so it'll be a fun one to watch. But uh, what, what, do you have a score prediction for us? Or you don't have to give a score. I think you said you know 50, you think they win 50, at least by 15 or 16. Um, but just throw something out there. Yeah, I think though I'm gonna I'll throw out like 40 to 40 to 24 or something like that. I think it'll be fairly competitive for a while. Uh, but Indiana's offense is ultimately too much for them. Yeah, I I think Indiana definitely still gets in the 40s regardless of the pace of the game. Um, and I'm right there along the lines with you. I'll say 45-24, um, Indiana takes down Navy. So to, to switch gears just for a minute um, to the basketball side, which which I know you've been working hard on, especially on the recruiting trail, just, just give us some updates of what's been going on in the recruiting trail uh, for Indiana. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously the big news, and, and everybody wants to know how the 2014 class is kind of going to shake out because um, Indiana had two recruits, obviously, in that class, and Trey Lyles and James Blackman Jr., and both have decommitted to this point. So they have no players currently committed for next year. And, and I, I think a lot of fans are, are worried about that and concerned about um, what that class will ultimately look like. So I'll update that first. Um Robert Johnson, a, a guard from Richmond, Virginia, in the same program uh, that 2013 commit Troy Williams came from, plays for Troy's uncle, Boo Williams, out in Virginia. Um, he visited officially two weeks ago. I think our last podcast was before that visit. So he visited two weeks ago and then accelerated his timetable after that, took an official to Virginia last weekend, going to North Carolina this coming weekend, and then Florida State the weekend after that. And then he's expected to make a decision sometime in mid-September if he doesn't visit Georgetown in October. So I talked to Robert's dad extensively last night and, and kind of got updated. And I don't think necessarily that it was a bad thing for Indiana that he didn't commit immediately following his visit and that he accelerated his timetable. Uh, Indiana still figures to be his leader at this point, but North Carolina is pretty close behind. So it'll likely be one of those two schools. I still think Indiana is in really good shape with him, and and uh, that's their number one priority right now from uh, from talking to the people that I know on both sides. And and if Indiana can't get him, that would obviously hurt their hurt their 2014 class and their chances at some of these other guys. But uh, that's their number one priority, and, and I still think Indiana leads on him. Isaiah Whitehead's another 2014 guard from Brooklyn. He was in town for an unofficial the same weekend as Robert Johnson. He's probably not as close to a decision right now, wants to take a bunch of other visits. A number of other schools are still in, so that's something we'll watch. But he's the top-ranked shooting guard in the 2014 class, so he's probably the most talented guy they're still recruiting. Um, Devin Robinson is a six-foot-eight forward. Uh, he could probably play a small forward or power forward in college and probably has the most upside of any player in the 2014 class. Um, he's scheduled to take an official visit to Indiana for Hoosier Hysteria next month and also has an in-home visit with Tom Crean coming up in the next couple of weeks. So um, they're still on him. They got out of the race for LaRon Black. He committed to Illinois last week, so that's no longer a possibility. And then the last guy they're still recruiting, other than Blackman Jr., who is going to an official uh, at Kentucky next month, could still visit Indiana officially, still plans to do so. Um, but I don't see them getting a recommitment from him. But the last guy they're still in on in 2014 is Good Luck Okanobo, 
will likely take an official to Indiana, probably for Hoosier Hysteria in early October, though he hasn't scheduled one yet. So that's kind of where they stand with all those 2014 guys. Um, and then just quickly to update the younger classes, Malachi Richardson from 2015, one of the top forwards in that class, took an unofficial the same weekend as Robert Johnson and Isaiah Whitehead. Um, Indiana is still highly regarded in his mind, probably his leader, but it's really too early to tell. He's probably at least a year away from committing, but uh, they're in really good shape in 2015 and 2016. 2016, Tyus Battle was on campus for an unofficial last week. Uh, he actually was in town for three days, 72 hours, um, which is unusual because the kid has to pay his own way on an unofficial, obviously. So uh, he really likes Indiana. He's only a sophomore in high school, but he's already been to Bloomington twice on unofficials. He was here in February for Michigan. Um, so they really like this school, and I don't think he'll commit anytime soon, but he could he could be one of Tom Crane's top top guys in that class because he's going to be a, a five-star recruit in 2016 and one of the top five players in that class probably. So in terms of 2014, just just in your eyes, I mean, this is obviously a shot in the dark, but how many commitments does Indiana end up getting in 2014? I think it'll ultimately be a three-man class one way or the other. If they don't end up with three of these uh, premier guys that they're targeting, then maybe they reach and get a guy ranked a little bit lower. But I think ultimately uh, they get three guys in this class. Three guys, because I know that's one thing that Indiana fans have seem to be worried about. They're like, oh, no, we don't have anybody committed. And and I, I think they'll be just fine. I mean, I think Indiana is doing the right thing here. Yeah, it, you know, it hurts to have a couple guys decommit, especially, you know, Blackman. When uh, when, it, when is signing day? Uh, I believe it's November 3rd or 4th. It's sometime in early November. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, you know, these guys, it's getting pretty close to signing day. And, you know, so having guys decommit around then is, is obviously uh, not good for the program. Um, but I, I think Indiana will be just fine. And like you just mentioned, there there's several guys that they're recruiting that are all high-end recruits, so I think they'll be all right. Yeah, something that's important for everyone to remember is, I mean, sometimes these classes just develop late. Last year, at this time, Indiana's class was made up of Colin Hartman, Devin Davis, Stan Robinson, and Luke Fisher. And then uh, after this date and time last year, you got Troy Williams and Noah Vonley. And I, I don't think too many people are going to be happy with that class last year if you don't get Williams and Vonley at the end. Those are the two premier guys in the class, and they signed last. So just because they don't have anybody uh, committed yet doesn't mean they're not going to get a good class. But if they do miss on Robert Johnson, then it makes it a lot harder because um, if you miss on him, Whitehead's probably not an Indiana lean, and Blackman probably won't recommit. So then you you missed on all three of your guard prospects, and they need guards the next year's class. So uh, Robert Johnson is, is a key piece of the puzzle at this point. But like I said, there's four guys, four main guys that they're still in on, and if they end up with any combination of the three of good luck, Devin Robinson, uh, Robert Johnson, and Isaiah Whitehead, that's still a pretty damn good class, even though it's this late in the game. Yeah, I certainly agree. Um... You mentioned Vonley and Williams. Were you able to to make it to the uh, freshman presser last week? Yeah, I was there. Those guys, other than Vonley, got to talk to the media for the first time. Vonley had spoken with us um, at some point in the summer with some of the other newcomers. Evan Gordon was there, but all of them were or were there last week at the press conference. And 
it was just kind of good to, to speak to them all together for the first time. Um, probably the most interesting thing to come out of that was that Vonley has gained 25 pounds in the three months that he's been on campus, um, which is pretty remarkable to, to, to gain that much weight and good weight. Um, put on a lot of muscle, looks really lean. Uh, even Colin Hartman said he gained 15 pounds since he's been on campus. So, yeah, it was good to see all those guys, and um, they'll, they'll have to be a big part of the team right away if, if Indiana's going to compete in the Big Ten again this year. Definitely. And so as we wrap things up here, Justin, uh, any other thoughts on Indiana basketball, football, all, all Hoosiers.com, anything? Well, um, obviously we went through a lot of recruiting stuff really fast there. If, if you want any more uh, comprehensive analysis or coverage of the recruiting, I do a Hoops Recruiting Central blog over on com daily. Um, and I also do a weekly mailbag, so any questions that you may want to have answered, can tweet them at me at Justin underscore Albers or email them to me, jmalbers at indiana.edu, and we'll be sure to get those either answered on the podcast here or sometime in the mailbag up on the blog. And there you have it, guys. So thanks a lot, uh, Justin, for for coming on here and talking and giving everybody your knowledge on the IU football and basketball.